Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Always for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 319. We're talking walk-in effects on mental health. Workplaces Worth Working, episode number seven. And this has been part of our series around Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May. And so this is an interesting episode because at first, when you think about the walk-in in a restaurant, we, we think about a couple of things when, when I think about it. I think about the, the, the picture on the outside of it of Christopher Walken. I think of the, the meme or the gif of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction looking around because you always lose things in the walk-in. The walk-in has become this interesting place where it's somewhat sacred. And it's also kind of the butt of a lot of jokes within within the restaurant. Always walking in there, forgetting what you went to go grab. Who can get the most meese into the bus tub so they only have to take one trip out of the walk-in? So there's a lot of dynamics at play in the walk-in. And I, I myself have spent time in the walk-in trying to decompress, trying to take a deep breath, losing my shit, not in front of the rest of the team, spending time, Zen moments, consolidating or doing inventory. So the walk-in has always been this unique place. And I think as we started to navigate into talking about mental health, I realized through, through our guests today and many others that there's actually a thoughtful and practical way that we can utilize the walk-in to support mental health. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. We're going to talk to Aaron Boyle from Chow Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness, as well as Estella Viles from Not Nine to Five Org to kind of dissect this a little bit. And we're going to be talking about the walk-in all week. So check out all of our content from Clubhouse to articles on BestServedPodcast.com. We're going to have stuff coming out on Instagram takeovers all about the walk-in. It's a a safe space sometimes, it's a volatile space sometimes. So, all right, I'm I'm rambling and you know I I love to do that. Aaron, I wanna bring Aaron in first to touch on this. So Aaron, the, hello, good to see you. Howdy. So the walk-in, like we know, you being a chef, it's it's a mystical and strange uh, place in there for sure. It was not until recently that I realized that there was an impact that it had on my mental health, that that it can and does have across the industry. So connect the dots a little bit. I don't think people automatically associate the walk-in with a place where you might break down mentally or be supported in mental health. So connect those dots a little bit for us. I mean, for sure, I feel the same way. I didn't connect those dots when I was working in a restaurant. It wasn't until... Um, I was trying to figure out how to get the attention of folks in the rest in the restaurant industry to talk to them about chow that I was like, what is this thing? What is the thing that connects us? What do we all have in common? And, you know, there's a number of them, but the walk-in is the place where emotions happen, whether they're good or bad. It's um, at least for me, it was where I would take people to talk about things that went wrong over the night. So I was probably creating some, I thought I was doing everybody a favor by pulling them aside, but I was probably creating a lot of drama because if you get pulled into the walk-in by chef, 
Mm. Things aren't, you know, she's not pulling you in for a, a happy, fun, how was your vacation conversation? So I was probably creating situations of uh, stress and That's distress. Um, and it's also the place where I would go. And again, this is completely unknowing. It's the place that as soon as I stepped into it, it was like, so when you talk about forgetting things, I think that might be it. Even if I'm in a hurry, right? I got to get the snappies. I got to get the snappies. I walk in and I'm like, like everything just right. Like yeah. all the, you know, you're in right. air conditioning, <laughs> you're a little mm -hmm. bit comfortable. Um, and you can just not be on for 10 seconds, 10 minutes, whatever it takes. Okay. Yeah. Uh I see it. There's so much happening in the walk-in that maybe we took for granted that we didn't realize the impact it was having positive and to your point negative and thinking about that space. So I appreciate that. And I want to dig in a little bit more on the chef side of it, kind of your personal experience the walk-in. I want to bring Sel in uh, to uh, join the conversation. Sel, good to see you as always. All right. So for you, we, we joked about this beforehand. We got a, a couple back of house and for you, the front of house. And so similar but different in kind of the experience of utilizing the spaces the walk-in a lot of times because we're territorial in the kitchen sometimes you might have been shunned from the walk-in so give us the the front of house perspective because i think a lot more we we joke about and kind of have these tropes around what happens to walk-in but so often they're from the the chef or cook perspective so give us on the front of house perspective and you're muted yeah I muted myself so that I wasn't interrupting, but now I can't talk. Um, yeah, so I totally agree with that. I was kicked out of the walk-in many times. Um, I also would accidentally go into the walk-in and see, you know, people having emotional experiences in the walk-in and be like, oh, awkward. not going in right now, um, or have, you know, witnessed other kinds of emotional outbursts like yelling or throwing something, you know, um, like Aaron said, I think it was such a good description that there's a lot of emotional experiences that happen in the walk-in and whether that's a positive emotional experience, you know, or like that kind of relief exhale, like, Ooh, like a moment, or it's a negative emotional experience where you're like screaming or crying or yelling or just, you know, trying to escape that moment. Um, of intensity, because as we know, like restaurants, bars, hotels, wherever you worked that there was a walk-in, the intensity, it's the go, 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 it's the non-stop. There's not even legal breaks, let alone like yeah. above legal breaks, you know what I mean? And so oftentimes, um, sometimes I think it was premeditated where in my mind I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the walk-in, I'm gonna, or I'm gonna go get extra linens, when really it was just like, I just need a minute. I just need a break to like not be yelled at or, or talked to by 500 people. Cause you know, front of house, you're just like constantly emotional labor. Um, yes. so, so I think much it was input, so much input. input and so much yeah. output too. like yeah. have a nice day, like service with a smile all the time. Yeah. And you know, if you're having an emotional moment, no one cares. You still have to do service with a smile. And so, you know, I think for me, there was the walk-in, there was the, you know, what we talked about earlier, the pantry closet or where you get the linens from um, or the washroom. I, I wasn't really that much of a smoker. So for some people, it's the smoke breaks. Right. Um, for me, it was more of, oh, I'm going to the washroom. I didn't have to go to the washroom. I cried in the washroom a lot. Um, so, you know, I think it I think for front of house and back of house, I think for all employees with this experience of the intense high pressure and the go, go, go. I think all of us seeked comfort 
in somewhere like the walk-in to just take a breath or feel an emotion because this whole idea of check your emotions at the door that we were told is just not a real thing. Yeah. And when you were talking about that, the, the smile, it's, it's, uh, we've talked about it, talked about it on the show a lot, like leave your shit at the door, smile, wear yeah. uniform, the stuff that we perpetuate that basically says you're not allowed to have an off day, let alone a bad day because we are so focused on the guest experience. And look, the guest experience obviously is a driver for the business. Yet if, if the individuals are not in an emotional state to deliver on that promise of hospitality, then, what, then what's the point? And so the fact that we have to self-regulate to that degree to go and hide somewhere yeah. to show any emotion yeah. is a struggle. And I think exacerbated for front of house because with, you know, us fragile cooks are so territorial that it's my walk-in that get off oh, my yeah. stuff like that. So you have less places to potentially be able to have that emotional response. And then the hothead chef, some for some reason we're allowed to scream in the kitchen and it's like a good show, even for the guests. But oh, yeah. a, a server bartender, never cannot cannot happen. You can't get away with it. And like you said, I think one thing I want to highlight is that it's not even that you're not even asking people to not have an emotional experience. It's that you're actually asking them to not be human. Mm. Um, it is human. How so? Yeah. Because it is human to have emotions. There is no human on the planet that does not have an emotion, right? And to deprive and repress and suppress emotions is actually where the problems begin. Um, so by asking people to not feel their emotions, to not express their emotions, right? So there's the feeling and then there's the expression. Right. So whether that's, I feel joy and I'm laughing and I'm smiling, or I feel sadness and I'm crying and I'm sad, or I feel angry and I'm screaming and breaking things or, you know, whatever I'm doing in an anger outburst. Um, it is just not absolutely under any circumstance reasonable to ask people to not be human. And listen, are there places to express that emotion? Of course. Yep. But that's the thing. If we don't even allow for places, humans are going to find places. And so as front of house and back of house people, where did we usually end up? The walk-in. Because we weren't <laughs> yeah. given somewhere to go. I think also what you're talking about a little bit is, is bottling some of that up. We don't create the space for the small emotional expressions so that they bottle, 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 and then they explode wherever they explode because they always come out. They have to, like they have to come out some way, somewhere. And so the walk-in was often that. The walk-in also for me was that because it's a little bit soundproof. So, so you know, screaming in the walk-in is a little less seemingly scary and intense for other people who are like, if you're doing that on the line, which of course I've done as well, it's like, oh wow, no eye contact, awkwardness. And uh, it's hard to recover from that level of awkwardness. So, uh, Aaron, why are we so territorial? What is the deal with, uh, with, with chefs? Why do we have to own all the real estate? What's going on there? Answer I for mean, all chefs and cooks. For all, yeah. Here. So speaking <laughs> no on behalf of all chefs, um, I mean, there's so much work and care that goes into to what we're trying to do and the experience we're trying to create. So that if you take so much as a beat from my mise en place, that was my beat. I was working on that. If right. you and there's so little time. So again, if you take something off of my area that I'm planning on, then I have to use my time to go get it. And like, I, so I when we were talking earlier, I immediately said 
keep your hands off my lines because I'm picturing folks from the front of the house, the bartender running into the walk-in and being like, no, 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 that's going to go on my food costs, not on the beverage costs. And that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, you know, we're, if we're all going to play on the same team, same team, we just got to go, okay, obviously we can't have margaritas without limes, go get the limes you need. But <laughs> in the moment right. when you have no uh, tools for communication, because you don't get promoted to, to chef by being the most, uh, the best person for the job. You're usually the person that's been there the longest. Attrition. Or really right? the last person standing. Yes. It's so true. there's nobody that, that came and said, hey, this is how we're going to do this. This is how we should run things. And also maybe you guys should work together and talk about plans and how you're going to create the team. Like we didn't, we didn't feel like we had time for that. Um, yeah. Understood. And the walk-in, you know, the walk-in's interesting too. When you walk in, walk-in, and Estelle mentioned it. Can you get out of here? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was talking to my daughter. (laughs) You're good. Uh, When you walk in the walk-in, there's like this, what are you doing in here? To everybody. It's always like, what are you doing in here? And then they're like, oh, I forgot. I forgot what I was going to grab. And there's like that whole dynamic there. Uh, You know, just like your daughter is like, what are you doing in here? Like Like, right now. Are you supposed to be on the line? Are you supposed to be behind the bar? Why are you in the walk-in right now? And then you have to come up with an excuse because it can't be that I need a moment. It can't yeah. be that like it's hitting me right now. It can't be that, you know what? Every day before service, I take three minutes in the walk-in just to take a deep breath. We have to make up some excuse. And I, I was looking for the limes. Wait, wait, you're trying to steal my limes? And it's this vicious cycle of not actually saying what we're really feeling, not actually saying what's happening. We're just saying the thing that's safe enough to keep us, I don't know, out of out of the target of somebody going judging you. Maybe, maybe. I, well, that's, I love what you're Hass- saying though. Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No. Uh, I mean when Hessel mentioned the that she went to the washroom, I it was the the walk-in was sacred space, but the 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 bathroom, that was like, yeah, nobody's gonna walk in on me people aren't going to look for me for like 10 or 15 minutes. Right. And you can just, and I'm like, it's programmed into me so deep that I haven't worked in a restaurant in nine years. And I still, when I go into the bathroom, have this sense of like, okay, now I can totally be a hundred percent me and just like check in and, and see what's going on and make a mental prep list. And I'm like, I don't know how to get out of that that system in my head. And I don't know that I ever will, right? Um, just because you, you're conditioned to find these safe yeah. spots. And unlike you guys, I had no idea that I was doing it. I just would find little pockets in the day where, that felt safe. Yeah, it was an <laughs> yeah. unconscious moment quite often. It was just, sometimes it felt like it was survival. Like your body was just taking you to the place where it knew it could do what it needed to do, even if your mind wasn't allowing it because you're caught in that conditioning. So I appreciate that. Nacelle, you had something uh, something to say. Jump, jump back in. Oh, all I was going to say is that I love what you were saying about that part of the problem was the lack of acknowledgement, that we were all like pretending to not feel, pretending to not, you know, emote, um, but really 
what that reminds me of is like, I always say to people, people are like, I don't know where to start, you know, with mental health conversations right. in my team. I don't know what to do. And, you know, all of this has a major impact on your mental health, obviously, you know, people being repressed and suppressed of their emotions and not allowing, not being allowed to express. Um, and I always say the number one first thing to do is to acknowledge that we all have mental health, to acknowledge that we all have emotional health, to acknowledge that we all feel emotions, to acknowledge that vulnerability is a strength. Like as soon as you start verbally out loud saying these things, especially if you're a leader, you're a chef, you're an owner operator, if you're a manager, whoever has influence over the team, as soon as you start saying these things, it kind of lets people go, okay, I work in this kind of place where we're actually talking about these things. <laughs> like exhale, okay, I can be a human. Okay, if I cry, like I, that doesn't mean I'm weak or you know, if I'm sad or if I'm struggling with anxiety, I can actually tell my chef like I'm, I'm having you know, a really bad day with my anxiety and that allow that like it allows people to actually exhale and, and breathe and be more themselves. And in the end also like all these things will create a stronger team, higher employee retention, like all these things that we always talk about for the the business case of yeah. this topic. Um, and the math starts to be. The math adds up because if you yeah. don't, what happens is you have more breakdowns and sometimes because I can't talk about it because I work in a place where you haven't allowed me to even feel an emotion, let alone express an emotion, I just quit. I just leave you high and dry. I just never come back. And you know, then you're talking about the cost of turnover and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just wanted to say that like, we can't undervalue how important it is to acknowledge verbally and in the written word that everyone, that all these things that I said earlier, like that everyone has mental health, that like everyone's affected right now, right? We're still in a global trauma. We still have collective grief. We're still dealing with our industry, you know, with a mass, like so many people have left this industry in the last year. Yeah. Right. Labor shortage is the only thing I ever hear about these days from employers. Um, these things are still happening. So if we're not acknowledging them, then unfortunately, my worry, too, is that we're just going to end up back in the walk in dynamic. I couldn't agree more. Acknowledgement, literally my favorite word. It's what we built all of this on. There's three places I want to go now, listening to kind of us, us navigating this for ourselves personally, especially. One is, is that interpersonal dynamic. I want to touch on that. I want to touch on the opportunity that the business has to create that space so we don't have to self-regulate as much that it becomes normalized, uh, I, think is, I think is another interesting place. And then I want to talk about some specific techniques that we might apply to be able to take ourselves out of fight or flight, take ourselves out of, of that uh, mindset where we're just, we're just scared or angry or whatever that is. So the first thing that's interesting is, those safe spaces, the way that we have interacted with them, to Aaron's point and then to Sal's point, we haven't necessarily had a good relationship with them because we, we, we took cooks in there and we screamed at them and people knew that if they're going to walk in, they're probably getting chewed out, right? Or that you know you, you had to go there and hide for just a couple of moments. I, I think of like the, the hazing that goes into it. I, mm -hmm. People have been locked into walk-ins. We've oh, sent yeah. people in to, to mop the freezer mop the and freezer. get ice off of it. People have gone in the restroom. You, then, like, you'd have to put a, uh, a uh, your apron, excuse me, in front of the in front of the door so that people couldn't put flour on the ground and then CO two blow flour into the bathroom. Like all of this stuff that we do in restaurants to each other. Cover your drink or hide it somewhere so people yeah, don't put fish sauce in it. Liquid smoke or something in your yeah. coat. Like, 
these are the these are the things we've done with this space. So it's time to do something different with these spaces. It's yeah. time for these spaces not to be an opportunity to haze somebody, an opportunity to support somebody so that they stick around so that the business, let's, let's talk about the business, cannot lose $6,000 every time they lose a line lever employee, $14,000 for every single manager. If you have a restaurant that has 50 employees, you're talking about a quarter of a million dollars, right? That you are potentially losing. If you have four locations, it's a million dollars your restaurant is losing on turnover costs alone. And we don't have money to pay a living wage. We don't have money for benefits. We don't have money to invest in mental health. From a on paper, to your point, we need to build it into the foundation of the business, not as a thing that happens when, oh shit, we need to fix something, we had an issue, we're gonna get sued, and all of a sudden we start to think about something that should have been foundational in the business. Let's talk about the opportunity that the business has to be able to address these issues. The two of you and anybody who follows knows workplaces worth working is what we're focused on so much with Best Served. We have to build it into the business model because it can't just be it, it can't just be window dressing. And we see that play out a lot. So let, let's go there. Azel, if you want to kick us off there, the business's opportunity and potential responsibility to build safe spaces let's stay with safe spaces into into the business so that the walk-in becomes that safe space that we want it to be sure no problem so for me i think it always starts with psychological safety you really need to understand what does that mean and how do i foster it in my workplace so yeah, we're, we're cooks so explain it and exactly and small yeah. word for me please i was gonna say so i'm not expecting you to know what that is because unfortunately in our industry it rarely exists um psychological safety is just when you have an environment where people feel safe to take risks make mistakes and be vulnerable with one another without any negative consequence to how you're perceived or your job. So if again, I work for you and you're the chef and I'm a cook, or if I'm a bartender and you're the manager, whatever the dynamic is that I feel comfortable enough telling you that anything that makes me feel vulnerable. So whether that's around my mental health or whether that's around some sort of other emotional reaction. Um, also, if I make a mistake, can we give and receive feedback safely, right? If I mess up, if I break something, if I did mess up the, you know, limes in the walk-in or if I did whatever, that, tonight. right? That you're not gonna fire me or you're not gonna now not give me a promotion because I did that. Um, again, all of these things go back to being human. Human error is always going to happen. That is absolutely part of being alive. There's no way around not making mistakes. And to make mistakes and take risks in a safe way, in an environment where I know, I know that my job is secure. I know that you don't think less of me because, again, I took a risk or I was made a mistake or I was vulnerable with you. Um, so I think the employer absolutely has a responsibility to provide psychological safety in the workplace. Yes, it is new to this industry. It's not new in other industries, right. you know, it's existed for a long time in other industries. So our restaurant, hotels, bars, we all need to learn this term. We all need to learn how to foster it. A lot of it, unfortunately, does mean hard, hard change away from the brigade system, away from the chain of command and hierarchy, right? It means that input can come from the bottom. What a concept, <laughs> you know, that, that we can actually ask entry-level employees, what do you think? and actually consider it as part of our decision-making process. Um, Retro's could be the greatest meritocracy created in any industry ever. It has the opportunity because from top to bottom, 
you work together to accomplish a singular goal in a given shift, unlike any other industry. I mean, the CEO of a certain industry, whoever's running that business and the bottom person on the totem pole, so to speak, are, are seldom going to be on one team to accomplish one single goal. In a restaurant, that's the actual reality of day to day. So exactly. a true meritocracy created in that, and we've seen a lot of businesses that take that approach in Absolutely. tech or, or financial and things like that do really well. Absolutely. So actually, a lot of research has been done by Google in 2017 and 2018, where they tested hundreds of teams because they were on a mission to fight, figure out how do you create the perfect team? How do you create the most highest performing team? So for high performance, number one factor was psychological safety. So it's a business case. Again, if you want to have the most successful restaurant with the most highest performing chefs and cooks and teams in front of house, you know, staff, then you have to have psychological safety, right? You have to have, she has to go to the walk-in for sure. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is the, this is the reality of working at home with kids. Um, but yes, I, I really truly believe that employers need to start understanding what that is and how to foster it. And yeah, the other thing, the other example I wanted to give as well is chefs that I now have started to hear that do meditations together as teams with their cooks. And I think that that is also something that sometimes employers miss is like, yes, you can offer benefits and you can offer all these things, but the day-to-day -day practices of, that you can work into lineup and the day-to-day, -day you know, check-ins with yourself. Like I know we've talked about Patrick Mulvaney's I got your back program, like any way that you can build in checking in with each other. I think employers need to understand the importance of checking in um, with ourselves and with each other. I like it. I think I think line checks now, you know, I'm all about think, finding the things we do really well and applying it and deploying it against things we don't. Line checks include three minutes in the walk in. Everyone does a loop into the walk in, takes three minutes in the walk in. And, and just breathes a little bit. I love Aaron, that. I let you pick her back potentially on what the business needs to do. And then I want to go into this, this breathing. And I know that's something big for you, taking a breath, breathing in, in the, uh, in the walk and potentially anything else for you that you want to call out the opportunity for businesses to kind of build this into the, the base model, invest in it, anything, any thoughts there? So I think the easiest thing to do, like Hassel said, and no cost is the check-ins. Um, and it doesn't have to be like individual, and it doesn't have to be like, Jensen, how are you doing? That would be great, but it could just be as simple as during lineup, whatever or whatever time the group is together, whether it's family meal, reminding what resources they have. You know, hey, if anybody's feeling like this, we've got posters, remember that we've got the, the phone numbers. Because um, if you're not talking about it, it's still stigmatized, right? So. It doesn't have to be this really touchy feely. Let's go out and have a serious talk. It can be as simple as has everybody reviewed the resource board? Um, the other thing is, and I know that um, Hassel has uh, some connections with this in Canada, but an employee assistance program. We just found one um, here in Colorado. We're working with a group called Triad that is getting us really, really affordable rates. So I think it's less than $45 a person for the year to have them covered for um, individual clinical therapy, um, couples therapy, help with finance, legal aid, so that they, they've they got, maybe you can't 
give them full benefits. And, you know, it's something you're working towards, but employee assistance program is something that I think is tangible for just about everyone. And again, the group that we're working with is willing to do a co-op model. So the more restaurants we get on board, the less it is for everybody else. Um, so working with companies like that, that are willing to break the mold, because the standard is, you know, you get one of those at when you're working at Google or another big company. Right. So it's really, really nice to know that it's not just us that's changing. It's the people who are supporting are also changing so that they can help. Good. And, and as always, everybody, resources, comments, links, they'll, they'll be there for you. Google, that's a good one. I think it's good for us to learn from outside industry. Sometimes we circle the wagons a little too much and use, if you haven't lived it, you don't know it. And the reality is so many people have lived a human experience that is directly correlated. So sometimes we, we hold on to that a little too tight. Uh, I learn a lot from looking at outside industries and finding ways that we can apply it. And then my job is to translate to the people that it's actually gonna be of service to. And Aaron, we'll talk about that employee assistance a little bit more because Andrew from our team is working on, again, those workplaces worth working. We're building, we're building the whole framework for the business so that from a policy, procedure, protocols, investment model that it's there, that it's not, again, that window dressing. So I appreciate that. Let's take a couple minutes and talk about some opportunities. We, we touched on the check-in a little bit. We touched on the potential to meditate together. I'm a big fan of that now. I just count my breaths. Like I just need to slow my mind down and I just breathe and count to 10 with every breath. I have a meditation app that I do that. It's, you know, counting to 10 just helps kind of decompress you, takes you out of that intensity mode that a lot of times I personally find myself in. Uh, what else can we be doing in the, uh, in the walk-in? Let's, let's stick with the walk-in. Uh, the walk-in. The temperature, Aaron, you mentioned it, and Laura Green from Healthy Poor talked about this, and it really struck me. You're talking about going into a space that's 25, 30, 35 degrees cooler than where you're probably working, and we can get pretty hot under the collar. Maybe 70 degrees? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that to cool down literally and figuratively in the walk-in. So, Aaron, maybe pick that up and, and, and start there the walk-in a space what can we be doing in there and why is it an important potential space for us to think about like de-escalating ourselves or each other i mean again you are literally getting cooler um i read from some of cat's kinsman's interviews that there were people that would actually take their shoes off and like connect uh, with that cold floor and i've wow. never done that but in my mind i'm picturing coming off the line my feet are the size of watermelons. I'm just sweating bullets and how amazing that would feel. So you get this instant physical relief from the pressure, but then you're also out of, out of the line of sight, out of the line of command where you can breathe. And it's yeah. something that if you had ever said to me when I was working on the line, why don't you go on the walk-in and breathe? I would have not said yeah. anything polite in return. Right. Um, it's kind of like that you can't tell someone to calm down. Nobody will ever calm down by being told to calm down. But I think that if we use this it, again during lineup, if we talk about this as a way to de-escalate, especially if you're having some conflict with someone that you're working around, or if you're just not in a head place where you, where you can't think anymore, if we can talk about this, it's like, hey, I need to take five, go in the walk-in, literally cool off and kind of process. 
And if you need to keep busy, you can organize, do the walk-in yeah. Jenga, and Labels really out, feel yes. in control <laughs> of like what's going on around you. I'm fascinated with the taking taking your shoes off. I, I could see that being very helpful and kind of gross at this. Uh, you kind of gross, right? kind of gross. So, but like, it is my immediate thought was like, ew, but it would feel amazing. <laughs> it, it would totally feel amazing. Here's an interesting thing, and I'll come to you with that. Is it's almost like you need to to create some very clear language, where instead of telling somebody to calm down, and we've seen that play out, and then that only escalates. I've never seen somebody tell somebody else to calm down that hasn't escalated a situation, right? That it's 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 fake attempt at trying to de-escalate. You're actually amplifying that. So it'd be interesting if there was just simple language like like walk in three, and it's three minutes in the walk in, and you just say that to somebody, and they go. I know what to do. It's like a clear training to them. We can condition a different way where they just know, okay, I can take three minutes in the walk-in. That's what's that's what's going to be best for me, best for the team. I, I, I'm interested in stuff like that because that's a simple thing. It's like calling in an all day. You got two orders of halibut. You got two salmon. You got two this. Walk in three. Go. <laughs> I think that's interesting. So thoughts on some things we can do in the walk-in. I want to wrap here, but what else can we do in the walk-in? Sure. that we could apply. I have a less gross one. And if you didn't want to take your shoes off. Um, so it's, it's used for panic attacks and anxiety. Um, so you just hold an ice cube. So anytime that you can basically break, you're basically trying to break the pattern, the thought pattern, right? Mm -hmm. You get stuck in these ruminating thoughts. You get stuck in this, like a panic attack technically is you're having anxiety about anxiety right? You're feeling wow. anxious that you even have anxiety. So, and it's a response, right? To a perceived or genuine threat. Oftentimes it's not actually a real danger, but it's, it feels like a perceived threat, right? They've scanned brains during an anxiety attack. And also during a situation where you, your life is actually in danger, they look the same, right? So you feel it just the same as if you're dying, just the same as if you're, you know, your life is in danger. And so you really need to kind of like snap that a bit. So holding an ice cube, some people will like rub ice cubes on their wrists or, you know, it's it's like, it's a way to like shock your system. Basically what you're trying to do is get and tap into your nervous system. Your parasympathetic nervous system is where you rest and digest, right? So I think anytime that you can also use, um, practice mindfulness techniques as well works this way. So if you're in a, if you're in a kitchen, you need a minute, or walk in three or whatever you want to call it. There's like ways that you can use um, breathing techniques where you can like breathe, you know, like this, like following your finger along, or you can use your other senses. So you'll be like, okay, I'm going to name five things I can see, four things I can hear, yeah. three things I can smell, two things I can, you know what I mean? Two things yeah. I can touch. Um, and that starts to basically, it takes your mind off of that overwhelming emotional experience that you're having or those overwhelming thoughts that you're having. So the ice cube is a great one. Anything that's anything that will basically, you know, even if you go to the sink and you just run your wrists under really cold water also has the same effect. Um, any, anywhere where, you know, like Aaron's saying, like you can just have that really nice, cool exhale. And, um, but it's ideally, a, it's ideally a real, like reboot. Yes, it is like a literal reboot. Brain and emotions mm -hmm. for one moment, which which I really appreciate. All right, I want to wrap there. 
we're talking a lot more about the walk-in dynamics. So like I said, make sure and tune into kind of everything. Let's uh, let's also see if there's somewhere we can get some some breathing techniques, some mindful techniques. Sure. The five, four, three, two, one is something I've done before. It's of this really beautiful forest with a brook and I can always remember it. So I've done that for myself. Nice. I think there's some couple of valuable things. I wanna make sure if you are going to grab that piece of ice, make sure it's not that really nice molded ice that the bar is using, <laughs> just like you don't want to steal the limes from the kitchen. Let's have some respect. Make sure you grab <laughs> you grab the right ice when you're needing to. ARSL, uh, always a pleasure speaking with you. Always inspired. Always learn something. Uh, thanks for talking walk-in dynamics. Thanks, Jensen. Thanks, Jensen. Bye, Eric. Bye, Jensen. All right, everybody. Great episode today. Uh, I like that. There was there was some seriousness. There was some learning involved. There was a little bit of jokes and banter. I think we need all of those things. This is a really challenging subject, mental health, really challenging for us because as Hassel mentioned, it takes fundamental and critical change. And that's hard, hard to do. So I appreciate this uh, episode and everybody again, check into all of the content we have coming out this week around uh, mental health and specifically around the walk-in. Uh, again, this was Best Served Podcast 319 and the effects of the walk-in on mental health. I think it's a fascinating topic and we should uh, continue to kind of delve into that. Use those safe spaces. And if you're running, managing a business, creating those safe spaces and building it into the foundation of the business, we have to develop workplaces worth working. That's it. Appreciate you all. Uh, hope all of you have a great day. And if you spend the walk-in three today, know that that is okay and that is a safe space. Uh, we've all been there. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.